Because your love never fails. The love of others may fail, Lord God, but your love never fails. You love us with an everlasting love, Jesus. Oh, God, it is your love that comforts us. It is your love that strengthens us, God. And we are overwhelmed by the magnitude of your love that is beyond knowledge, God. How could you love us the way that you do? But we thank you that while we may not understand it, it's true. That while we may not be able to grasp the fullness and the totality of your love, it is true. It is faithful. God, we are grateful today, Lord God, because your love is always there, filling every void, Lord God, healing every wound, my God. We thank you because you are the father to the fatherless, my God. We thank you because you defend the helpless, my God. We thank you because your love raises us up, my God. Your love gives us the ability to look upon you, Lord God, with gratefulness and thankfulness. Your love is demonstrated greatest on the cross. While we were yet your enemies, you died for us. We're humbled by your love today. We honor you today, Lord God. In Jesus' good name, someone said, come on and give your loving God a hand of praise. He's worthy. think we often need to be reminded of the magnitude of God's love. Amen? Amen. I think sometimes life can become so difficult and situations can become so overwhelming that we forget he loves us. We forget how deep his love is for us. Amen? Amen. Open your Bibles, please, to the book of Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 14. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 14. When you got it, say so. It says, where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. Where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counsel, counselors, there is safety. Let us pray together. Father, we honor you for this day that you have given us for bringing us together into your house, my God, that we may be able to worship and exalt your name. God, we're humbled before your word today. Spirit of God, we ask you to speak to us. Father, I pray that you would give each of us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to your church. I pray that you would remind us of things that we've forgotten. Show us things that we haven't seen. And above all, Lord God, empower us to live out the gospel. Empower us to live out the truth of your word. Use me in these next few moments to speak into the lives of my brothers and my sisters. I thank you for this privilege and this opportunity, God. I ask you all of this in Jesus' good name. Someone said, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. And so as we continue on in our series, um, Wisdom Cries Out in the book of Proverbs, today we're going to talk about 
necessary counsel. Say necessary counsel. Right now, we've entered in this month, and, and, and for some of you, you know, you're like, I, I don't know about you, but I know myself, are amazed that we are actually at the time that Christmas is almost here. It's like, where did the year go? I mean, this year just kind of like rolled by pretty quickly. Um, and we're here. It's, it's Christmas time. But Christmas time is not just a time for gifts or not just a time for parades. Hallelujah. <laughs> Didn't know there were so many parades in Florida, but my daughter started twirling and I was educated. Glory to God. And so it's not just time for that, but for the church, it is a time that we celebrate the birth of Jesus. It's an Advent season for us, and so it's a time that we look at the birth of Jesus in a different light. Why? Is it because we forget about his birth throughout the year? No. It's just because the church throughout history decided that they were going to designate December 25th to be the day that the church celebrates or commemorates the birth of Jesus. And so with that happening, when Christmas time comes, that's the time when you start bringing out your manger scenes and you start seeing all of these different things that are there. You go into the stores, you see Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, whatever it is they got up in there. And you know, as a Christian, you start thinking a little bit more about the birth of Jesus, at least you should. Amen. I, I, I know we're thinking about so-and-so's gift and what we couldn't get them or could get them or what we should get them and all that good stuff, but I would hope that this season would be a time that we could really look at Jesus in a different light, that we could look at Jesus in a more um, focused manner, we could really focus in on him. And it's an amazing time for us because what are we literally celebrating? This is why this is so important, because what we are literally celebrating when we celebrate the birth of Jesus, it is God coming to us. Say that with us. It is God coming to us. That's what we're celebrating. We're celebrating God coming to us. And as we're going through this series of wisdom, we know that Jesus is the divine wisdom of God. We get that. Amen. And so with that being said, we realize that it is God coming to us, embodying divine wisdom. It is when, it is when the divine wisdom of God came to earth, and not just in, in, in a manner of preaching and teaching, but an actual person, right? This is what Jesus does. He personifies wisdom, comes to this earth, and not only does he die for us, but on his way to the cross, he instructs us. He communicates to us. He speaks wisdom. He even says in one of the chapters in the gospel that wisdom will be justified by her children. And what he's communicating is that the wisdom of God is being manifested. And so during this season, it's important for us to realize that Jesus never stops coming to us. He never stops coming to us. He continues to come to us. He comes to us to redeem us. He comes to us to heal us. He comes to us to lead us. When we talk about redemption, it is saying that he comes to us because he wants to save us from the penalty of our sins. The primary thing that Jesus does when he comes to us, I know when he came to me, he wasn't coming to tell me how good I was. He, I was maybe he was patting someone on the back, but that wasn't Jason Quinones. He was, he was smacking Jason Quinones upside the head saying, boy, you're on your way to hell. I want to redeem you from your sin. I want to save you from your sin. And so he still comes to this day to people for what purpose? To redeem them, to save them from sin, to save them from their own sin. See, here's the thing that we have got to understand, that all of us are sinners by birth and behavior. We are all sinners by birth and behavior. Every one of us, we are born into sin according to the scriptures. And also, see, it's not just that we're born there because none of us is without sin. Our behavior 
We sin. What does it mean? When, when, when I say that we sin, it is that we violate the laws of God. So in other words, when we say that I'm a sinner, I say that I'm a sinner, I say this, that I am a lawbreaker. I'm a breaker of divine laws. And what Jesus did was he realized that I would continue to break divine laws. He also realized that I might come to a place one day where I think that I am so righteous where I think that I'm good enough to get into his presence and I'm good enough to earn heaven. And so what he does, he comes and he says, you'll never earn heaven. Your righteousness has filthy rags and I'm going to die in your place. And so he comes to us in this way to redeem us. He also comes to us in order to heal us, in order to heal us from the sins against us. Not only does he want to save me from the penalty of sin, which is separation from him for all eternity, but he wants to heal me of the sins against me. See, some of us have been through some hard stuff in our lives. See, some of us, the reason we don't want to come to Jesus is because we love our sin of behavior. We love certain sins more than we'll ever love Jesus. When I didn't come to Jesus when I was a teenager, it's because I personally, I like to get high and I like to have sex out of marriage. That was the reason why I wasn't coming to Jesus because I was like, well, I'm not going to give that up. And I knew I wasn't foolish enough to think I could have both. So I was like, well, I'm going to go ahead and pick these two over him. Until one day he got a hold of me and gripped my heart. And I was like, okay, he's much greater than those things. That's some of us. But then there are others of us. It's not so much our sin of behavior that has got us held up. It's the sins against us that hinder us from coming to Jesus. It's because someone hurt us, whether it was someone. I, I, I think I told you all about the lady that I met on Facebook, and she was out there, right? And she was, like, communicating all of these bad things about preachers, and she said that all preachers are child molesters and so on and so forth. And I was like, are you serious? She said the majority. She didn't say all. Let me, let, me, let me quote her correctly. She said the majority. Now, when you say the majority of something, that's like saying, you know, how many people in this room? Most of you. Now, that offended me because I'm part of that most of, probably. I don't know because I, I don't think I'm any better than most other ministers. Amen? Because we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. And she communicated that, so we get, you know, we get into this conversation. And anyway, she shares with me like a whole bunch of, she, she, you know, she, she shared like all these different um, media, you know, excerpts of, of you know, um, pastors, leaders that had fallen into some kind of heinous sin and so on and so forth. And I'm like, okay, but that's still not most. There's a statistic somewhere that's like, I think it was, I think it's 1,400 pastors. Now listen to what I'm going to say. In the United States, quit pastoring. Every month. Did you, hear, did you hear what I just said? 1,400. She probably sent me 20 articles. And, 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 to, and to her credit, there's, there's, I'm going to say there are probably another 50 or whatever that are more. What, my point is this. is It wasn't most, but you know what her issue was? As, as, as I've continued, she, she, she unfriended me, by the way. <laughs> she was my friend for about three days, and she's like, I'm not going to. I was like, whatever. But anyway, but this is the cool thing. She still sent me messages. Like private messages. So she sent me a message the other day. She asked me, she's like, well, if, if clouds are made of gas, how was Jesus taken up in a cloud? And so I was like, well, let me help you out. And this is a beautiful opportunity. I said, this, first of all, the scripture you're quoting is Acts chapter 1, verse 8 or something like that. And I said, and it does not say the cloud took Jesus up. It said the cloud received him. It said Jesus was taken up and the cloud received him. I said, so, first of all, it's not saying the cloud picked him up. It's saying the cloud, which is symbolic of the glory of God all throughout scripture, covered up Jesus. The point is that he went up to heaven. That's the point of the scripture. I said, but. 
if God decided that he wanted to use a cloud to pick someone up, he could. He didn't, he didn't need to explain. I said, you cannot explain supernatural phenomenon. I said, but if, and so I gave her the, you know, the practical example, the, you know, the, 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 the contextualized answer. And then it's like, yo, we got to understand there's certain things that you are never going to fully understand. God doesn't have to explain himself. He just does it. Joshua's fighting a battle. Sun stop. What, have you ever seen the sun stop? No, it, it, it will never probably ever happen again, but it happened. And, it, and it's not just in your Bible. You know, there, there's some historic documents that talk about the sun not moving. Mm-hmm. So here's the point. The point is, what I realized in conversation with her, by the way, her response to me was, thanks. I was like, praise the Lord. <laughs> so we didn't get into a big debate. And you know what it is? Is that a lot of times we see people that come across rough like that. And you know what their thing is? That is their way of defending themselves against the gospel. That is their armor because they've been hurt. See, some of you were abused when you were children, maybe sexually molested. You've been hurt as an adult. You've gone through stuff in church. You don't trust anyone. And you will never come to Jesus until you understand he can forgive your sin. And he's forgiven those who have sinned against you. But he came not only to redeem us from our sin, but he came to heal us from the sins against us. And not only that, but he also wants to lead us. Say lead us. He wants to lead us in a liberating way. And that way our lives do what? Reflect his glory and his image. And so today, as we look at chapter 11 and verse 14, it says here in the book of Proverbs, where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And today we'll talk about necessary counsel. Jesus coming to you through others. Say amen to that. You see, because while we all agree Jesus still redeems, while we all agree that Jesus still heals, while we all agree that Jesus still leads, still sends us out, we may, we may not all agree on how he comes to us. We don't, we, we don't want to hear God. I told you all the story about the man who was, who was um, when I worked security for Benny Hinn's church, um, the man who came and he was having a conversation with me, and he was like, listen, he said, I had these people coming up to me, always you know, telling me I got a word from God. He's like, listen, if God wants to talk to me, him and I have a relationship. And I told you that that was not, you know, some, some amazing, like, you know, man of godness that came out of him. Hello. <laughs> I'm trying to add some things before the end of the year, just throw some stuff in there. I got one more month, so I'm, 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 I'm going to add some stuff up in there. Some man of godness, glory to God. It wasn't like he was just like this amazing man of God, like I'm, I'm super spiritual. No, what he, was, what he was saying was that was pride manifesting. Like, no one else can speak into my life. Now, listen, the whole thing is this. We, don't, we, we, we need to look at what the scriptures teach. Not everybody has a word for you. Not everybody who's spiritual. And some people, man, they just have indigestion. Some people, they ate some pizza last night. That's what their dream was about. It wasn't, you know, that really God was trying to talk. I'm just saying. But there are some situations where God really wants to speak to you through other people. There are some situations, and and the Bible confirms that. We're going to look at a few more scriptures. So here we see clearly that in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Where there's no counsel, in other words, where there is nobody outside of you and your relationship with God and your Bible. Listen to what I'm saying. 
If they, when there's nobody outside of you, your relationship with Jesus, your ability to read and understand the Bible, everybody in here, hear what I'm saying. Each of you has the power of the Holy Spirit accessible to you. Each of you has a relationship with God where God can communicate and talk to you. The problem with the church way back when things got all messed up was that they tried to separate the clergy, the professional people in ministry, the educated people from the common people. And they made people think, well, you really can't understand the Bible. You need me to teach it to you. Listen to me. The Bible makes it very clear. If someone would have just read the Bible, hallelujah, 1 John chapter 2, it says that you don't need a teacher. Hallelujah. But the anointing that is in you will teach you all things. Isn't that what the Bible says? So wait a second. Does that contradict Ephesians chapter 4, which said, and you gave son to be prophets, you know, evangelists, to teach you, and that, wait, a, wait a second, that, that's contradictory. No. What it's saying is that every believer has the Holy Spirit resident in them. And what you need to do is, listen, it's not about the translation of your Bible. Listen, that may help. I, 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 I personally, I don't read the, you know, the King James Version. But here's the point. People were reading the King James Version, getting some great revelation of Jesus. Why? Because they were so smart? No, because they had the Holy Ghost. Because the Spirit of God was dwelling in them, and, and through the these and thous and thus and days and all that, they were finding Jesus. And they were getting revelation of who God is. Why? Because we have the Spirit of God. And so I want you to get that. You have the Spirit of God. But let me explain something to you. Along with the right to access God, you have a responsibility to have relationship with God. It's not just the right that oh, well, God can talk to me, but are you spending time with him? Are you spending time in his presence, allowing him to speak to you, allowing him to communicate with you? Are you communing with him? All of us have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, if we're born again, if you, if you don't know Jesus, you don't have the Holy Spirit, he would like to fill you today. But hear me. But if you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit in you. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. And so you have a relationship with God. And you know what? You have, you have access to a Bible. If you can't afford one, we have a bunch of Bibles laying around here. You could have one before you leave today. We don't even need to go buy you one, glory to God. We, you just take one. Just walk, look under them seats. There's some Bibles around there, glory to God. Just take one home. Write your name in it. Just cross whoever's name is out in there, and it's yours. Praise the name of the Lord. And the next week if they come back, like, Bishop, where's my Bible? That, that Bible right there has got a new name in it. I don't know. You left it here. It was there. Because this is not storage for your Bible. So listen, if you leave your Bible here every week, like that's your seat. Mm-mm. Glory to God. Like, that's my Bible. What does that mean? What, what does that mean exactly? That means you weren't reading your Bible all week. I'm just saying. All of us have the Holy Spirit. Every one of us, the Spirit of God dwells in us if we're born again. And so we also have access to the Bible. And so God can speak to you directly through the Scriptures. But that does not negate or nullify the reality that in the same Bible that he'll speak to you through, he will tell you that there is a necessity. Say necessity. This is not something that is optional. This is something that is needed according to my Bible, according to your Bible. We need counselors in our life. We need people to speak into our lives. That's the reason why he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, so that we could equip the saints. How do we do that? Through preaching and teaching and living life together. That's the way that we do these things. The book of Proverbs chapter 11 verse 14 makes it clear. In the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Say there is safety. 
Turn to chapter 15 and verse 22. Let's get a few more witnesses on this particular topic. Chapter 15 and Proverbs verse 22. Look what it says here. It says, without, without counsel, plans go awry, or it means plans fail. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Amen? Chapter 20, verse 18. It says, plans are established by counsel, by wise counsel, wage war. Let me ask you something. Are we in war today? The moment you said yes to Jesus, you enlisted into the opposing army. I'm just letting you know that. Whether you got your battle gear on, whether you're fighting every day, whether you're going through stuff or not, if you are really walking with Jesus, there is a battle that is going on. And so how do we wage war in this battle? Well, it's through hearing godly counsel speaking into our lives. When, 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 when Solomon wrote this, he's obviously, not just, he's, he's obviously not thinking about the spiritual battle that we're talking about today. But what he is talking about is how kings, how kings wage war. How do they wage war? It's not by themselves saying, hey, I'm just going to draw up a plan and I'm going to go do it myself. No, it's by having other people speak into their life. Last scripture we'll turn to to make this point, chapter 24 in the book of Proverbs, verses 5 through 6. It says here, it says, a wise man is strong. Yes, a man of knowledge increases strength. For by wise counsel, you will wage your own war. And in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. And so we're clear. Are we clear that we need counsel in our lives? God himself, I hear this, is the only perfect source of wisdom. His word and his spirit are made available to all believers. Yet the scriptures also teach us that there are other sources through which wisdom will come into our lives. Vessels, and when I say vessels, I mean people. Say people. Through whom God chooses to come to us. The whole point is that he continues to come to us. But he doesn't just come to us by himself. He doesn't just send angels to talk to us. All of those things can happen. But sometimes, more times than not, God is sending someone into your life. And some of the time. This is the reason why you don't want to hear it, because you don't like them. Or you don't like their delivery. Bishop, I don't like them. I don't like the way they tell me. It don't matter. You don't like them. You, you, you can try to make it cute, whatever. You just don't like them. You don't want to hear them. You, you, don't, you, don't, you don't like the way they told you, and you don't, you, don't want, you don't want to hear anything from them. And the truth is, God still speaks to us those, through those people because that is his desire. I will say this. To declare yourself not needy of outside counsel is to, declare your, is to declare yourself above God. To say that you do not need outside counsel is to say that you are above God. Why? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's divine counsel. In the beginning, God said what? Let us create man in our image. Wasn't talking about multiple gods. He's talking about one God. One of the great mysteries of scriptures is the Trinity. It is how can God be three persons and one, you know, one, one God at the same time. It's something that I would not even try to have you, you know, to try to, try to get you to understand but, or that I would be able to make you understand in the time that we have here. And even if I had more time, it would still be just confusing. I'm just saying, look, I, I, I don't pretend to. I could explain it to you, but here's the best way that I like to explain this. You, me, we are made of body. You see my body. I see your body. Soul and spirit, right? So this morning, some of you, your body said, stay in the bed. 
Your body said, man, I stood up too late last night. <laughs> Someone said they ate something bad. It's just, you know, just, your body said stay in the bed, right? Your soul probably agreed. It was like, and you worked all week? <laughs> you know, you, 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 you can stay in the bed a little bit longer. I mean, this is your only day to sleep in. They had you doing a honeydew list on Saturday. So Sunday, my only day. But then your spirit said, you're in the flesh. Your spirit said, you are in the flesh. Some people, they listen to their flesh. That's why they're not here. Some people embrace their soul. They just said, you know what? They're right. I worked all week, and I'll be there next week. I'm going to stream it, whatever. Here's the point. The point is... You and I are always having internal conversations. Are we not? Yes. Pastor Robert said to talk about one today. He was having an internal conversation. He was like, man, I want to knock this dude out. His, his, his soul was communicating, and his flesh was in the middle of this tug of war. His spirit is like, man, this is not God. Because then I got to go tell him tomorrow how I knocked this dude out, and then I had to pray for him and repent. So he was struggling with this, right? We all have these battles. We all have communication within us. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they commune. These people are building up the Tower of Babel. They said what? Let us come down. They had a council in heaven. The point of the matter is, is that God takes counsel from no one from himself. Here's the thing. You and I are not God. And so if I say I don't need any counsel outside of me, right, and my ability to hear from God, I say I'm greater than him. None of us are greater than him. And if you thought so, I hope that you were delivered from that. The first thing, repeat this after me. Say, our response to counsel and correction are truly the revelation of the condition of our hearts. Our response to counsel and correction are truly the revelation of the condition of our hearts. The scriptures are clear. We need counsel in order to do the things. See, God has purposes and plans for our lives. And can I tell you something? We will never accomplish them alone. He didn't call you to be an island. He didn't call you to do it on your own. He saved you to himself and to me. Hallelujah. And to the one sitting next to you. Praise the Lord. I know, you, I, I know some of us don't want to hear that, but it's the truth. You know, I love the Bible because the Bible will say stuff for us that sometimes we can't say in a politically correct way. So I'm going to give you the most amazing scripture right now. When you want to say something that's rough and you don't know how to do it, just text someone this scripture. Turn to, turn to Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 1. Got to say amen. It says this. It says, whoever loves instruction... Loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. That's the S word, y'all. My daughter used to say, Daddy used the S word. That's what she was talking about, right? Stupid. The Bible just called someone stupid. It said a person who hates correction. Now, I'm not going to ask you. Because we have, anyway, we all, we all fall under this category. How many of us just love when someone comes to correct us? None of us do. I mean, let's be real about this. 
There's a condition in our heart. It's called sin. We don't want people to come and tell us, look, I, I, you know, I, I enjoy writing sometimes. What I hate is giving it to my wife to edit. Because at that moment, I enter into a place of stupidity. Because I, I, I hate, I don't want to be corrected. I don't want her to tell me that I used the wrong tense. I don't want her to tell me that I, that I put a comma somewhere that I should. I don't want her to tell me I spelled, I don't want to do nothing. I don't want none of that. No, I, I don't want any of that. And listen, that's just with a simple little thing. You should see her and I trying to write a letter together. That's like world war. That's like a civil war all over again. I'm amazed at how carnal I can get so quickly. I mean, it's just like immediate. But anyway, y'all pray for me. Um, I've learned I just don't do letters with her anymore. I just send them to her after I write them, you know, vice versa. And that's how we work, work that out. But anyway, um, none of us like correction. You know what? And, and, and you know what? In those moments, you are acting stupid. Not because I said it. That's what the Bible said. When you look at that word stupid, that word stupid is, is the word that means brutish. Hard-headed. See, it's one thing to be ignorant. It's a whole different thing to be just hard-headed and brutish. Because, you know, you, 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 can, be, you can be wrong and you can think, but, but, but when someone comes to you and you humble yourself, that's different. But when you are just wrong and strong, that's crazy. That's it. <laughs> Just wrong and strong about it. You are just wrong, dead wrong. That's what he's saying. That, that, that's what this person becomes like. So, heart condition. Turn to chapter 18. This is another one of my favorites on this topic. Chapter 18, verse 1 through 2. It says this. It says, a man, and this could be a woman as well, who isolates himself, seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise counsel. A fool has no delight in understanding, but in expressing his own heart. So you know, when you separate yourself from everybody, because you're going to be holy. Mm -hmm. uh, you know why you stop talking to people? Because you don't want to hear people tell you you're wrong anymore. It was quiet. You don't, you, don't, you, you don't want people to continue to point out the error of your ways, the error of your thinking, and you've made a decision. What? You, it, it's real It's Look, this, this is not me speaking. The Bible says it. A man who isolates himself, he does what? He seeks his own desire. He is looking for his own will, for his own purpose. He rages. He rages against all wise judgment. He doesn't want to hear anything. I love this one. Verse 2. A fool has no delight in understanding but in expressing his own heart. You ever been in that conversation with someone and you're like, can you just take a moment to understand me? No, I don't want to hear what you got to say. That's a fool right there. And if that's been you, you've been a fool. I know it's been me. I'm just saying. I'm not exempt from any of this stuff. For, I mean, when I read the scriptures, I'm like, man, I need to like, get delivered. The thing is, we get foolish. I don't want to understand your point. I don't want to understand where you're coming from. You need to understand my point. Because all you care about is expressing your own desire. All you care about is expressing your own heart. Here's the thing. When we are unwilling to hear the counsel, heed the correction, or humble ourselves when we are rebuked by an outside source, sometimes godly, sometimes ungodly, it is usually a sin of idolatry. What do you mean? It's worship of self. It's worship of self. 
When you look up this word here in, in, in um, chapter 12, verse 1, and it talks about being brutish or being stubborn or, or that thing, here's the thing you got to understand. But write the scripture down. 1 Samuel chapter, chapter 15 and verse 23. It's a familiar scripture passage for most of you that have read the story where, where, where Saul, King Saul at that time, where he is, he is he's making sacrifices that he's not supposed to be making. And when he makes a sacrifice, um, you know, Samuel, he's communicating, he's talking about how God desires obedience over sacrifice. He makes it crystal clear. And he says that, that, that witchcraft is, is a sin of rebellion, right? He communicates that. But then he says that stubbornness is the sin of iniquity and idolatry. Did you hear me? Stubbornness, according to the Bible, is idolatry. It is worship of yourself. It is worship of your own opinion. When you, listen, we sometimes, being stubborn can be a good thing when it is for the right thing. Hear me. When you are stubborn, like, look, man, this is what the Bible says, and that's where I'm standing, that's a good thing. When you're stubborn because you think your opinion is so great, that's a bad thing. Isolation. So the first one is this. Stubbornness, the heart source of iniquity or, or stupidity or brutishness is idolatry according to 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 23. Isolation from others is rooted in worship of your own opinion, your own feelings, and your own thoughts. You overvalue them. You think so highly of your own opinion, of your own thoughts, of your own feelings because what you feel is always right. You are never, ever deceived. Never. Never, ever, ever. You never feel something about someone, you're just totally wrong. Never, ever. That's never happened to anyone in this room. Where you just totally thought something, and it was the absolute untruth. It, it just was not true. Happens all the time. We assume stuff about people. But isolation from others is rooted in worship of ourselves. But not only worship of ourselves, but it is the disdain or undervaluing for the counsel of others. It's not just that we think so highly of ourselves, it's that we think so lowly of others. We think that no one else can speak into our lives. We think no one else is worthy to speak into our lives. We can look at another scripture, chapter 18 and verse 15. Verse 15 says this, remember this is a heart condition. It says, the heart of the prudent acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. The heart of the prudent acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. Now turn to chapter 23 in the book of Proverbs, and we'll look at verse 12. And it says this, it says, apply your heart to instruction and your ears to the word of knowledge. Now listen, here's the thing I want you to understand. According to 2 Timothy, you don't have to turn there, but according to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 through 4, it never says there, it says it in these, in these perilous times that people are going to heap up, heap up to themselves teachers who are going to itch their itching ears, right? That's what it says. It doesn't say they're going to stop listening to people. What it says is they're going to stop listening to clear biblical counsel. That's what it says. Because everybody wants to hear somebody else's opinion. You know what we usually try to do? When we've made up our mind, we find someone who agrees with our opinion. And most of the time, that amazing relationship that we have with Jesus, you know, that one-on-one -on -one that he speaks to us so well, and he does it through the word of God, you know, it's the last place that we look for his counsel in his word. Because if he just went to his word, his word would probably disagree with you, amen. But the fact of the matter is, it's an issue of our heart. It shows the condition of our heart. And so what we need to pray, according to these scriptures here, is that we would remain hungry for all of the truth 
not versions of the truth. Hungry for all of the truth, not versions of the truth. The second thing I ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, only a fool disregards the counsel of wisdom. Turn back to chapter 12 in the book of Proverbs, please. Verse 15 through 16. It says this. It says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who eats counsel is wise. A fool's wrath is known at once, but a prudent man covers shame. So first of all, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. You're always right. This is what the scripture is saying. According to you, you're right. You thought about it. You figured it out. You know, you know your budget better than anyone else. Hallelujah. You're the one that lives in your house. You're the one that deals with your wife. You're the one that deals with your husband. You're the one that works in that place. And so since it's you that works in those things, you know better than anybody else. You ever, you ever thought about the fact, maybe someone needs to look at this from the outside looking in because they might be able to help me see what I keep tripping over. But we don't want to submit ourselves like that to folks. We, we, we don't want to submit ourselves to the scrutiny. But the scripture says that, a, that the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. Turn to another scripture with me, chapter 15, verse 31 and verse, through verse 33. And it says, the ear that hears the rebukes of life will abide among the wise. He who disdains instruction despises his own soul. He says you hate yourself if you despise instruction. But he who heeds rebuke gets understanding. And then it goes on to say in verse 33, we dealt with this a few weeks ago, the fear of the Lord is, is, is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility. So what is he saying here? Wisdom brings you honor, amen? It brings us the blessing of God into our life when we walk according to that wisdom. But here's the point. The point is that until you humble yourself, you're not going to be honored. As long as you think that your opinion is all that matters, then you are never going to see the honor that God wills for your life. And so the greatest antidote for foolishness is humility or the consequence is going to be unnecessary hardship. I love this scripture. Look at chapter 17, verse 10. I, I, the book of Proverbs just messes me up all the time. Look at this verse. It says, rebuke is more effective for a wise man than a hundred blows on a fool. That's amazing. You ever seen someone just continue to get, I mean, just life is just whooping them up. You ever see that? It's, they continue. Look, when, 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 because I, I know none of y'all ever experienced this, but, you know, you've, you've seen movies like this. Where, you know, someone is young and in love with just an idiot. And it seems like they go from one idiot to the next idiot to the next idiot. What you, what, what you are literally witnessing is a hundred blows on a fool. Can I, 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 I want to say something. You, you've, now, 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 I know, see, I've, I've said this as, as a teenager, and I'm sure some young person has said this. So young people, listen to me for a moment. I said to my parents or my mom, let me learn the hard way. Let me make my own mistakes. That is the foolish thing anyone could ever say. That, 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 can, 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 I, I know y'all can, can relate with it. That is like someone giving you a million dollars and saying, listen, I had a million dollars at one time. 
I spent it the wrong way, and now I'm busting, you know, my, my, my butt, working hard, you know, for the rest of my life because I didn't invest it right. I'm going to give you some tips, and I'm going to show you how to invest this money so that way you never have to work like that for the rest of your life, and you can do what you really want to do, right? That is the equivalent of you saying, nah, man, give me the million dollars, I'm going to spend it how I want. I don't want to hear anything you have to say. I don't want to hear about anything that you've been through. I don't want any of you. That is what you're saying with your life. For the young people, don't don't learn the hard way. Learn from your parents' mistakes. Learn from their bad decisions. Learn from all the mess they went through so you 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 don't need to go through that stuff. They went through it for you. Hallelujah. But instead, a thousand blows. That's what they want. That's what they're saying. I want a thousand blows. Parents, you need to memorize the scripture. Especially for those of you that have younger, and, and they're going to come, and you don't want to be a fool. You don't want to be a fool. You don't want a thousand blows. That, but, but the point of the matter is, a person is either going to be humble and accept the counsel of others, or they're going to experience unnecessary hardship. That's the bottom line of the scripture. Look at chapter 19 and verse 27. It says this, it says, cease listening to instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. Now notice what he said here. He said, cease listening. If you're listening to instruction, that means someone has to be speaking to you, amen? It's not just you just reading it yourself. It's stop listening to it. And what happens? You start straying. You start turning away from the word of truth. And so to reject the counsel of wisdom will always lead us to destruction. That's the bottom line. It will always lead us to destruction. Repeat this after me. Sometimes the counsel of wisdom produces great pain before great gain. Sometimes the counsel of wisdom produces great pain before great gain. Turn to chapter 27, verse 5 in the book of Proverbs. Chapter 27, verse 5, we'll read to verse 6. And it says this, it says, Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Faithful are the wounds. Hold up, hold up, let's pause there for a moment. Faithful are the wounds of an enemy. Is that what it said? Y'all like, Bishop, you, know, you got a different Bible? No, no, I want to point something out. Friends are going to wound each other. It's going to happen. Does it mean you stop being friends? If a person is just wounding you because they're nasty, that's a different scenario. But let's talk about righteous relationship. Let's talk about friends with brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's talk about those relationships. It says that the faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. So the first thing is this. It says open rebuke. Open rebuke. Like if someone gets up here and rebukes you, that's better than love that is carefully concealed. That means that, oh, yeah, I love you, but I'm never going to correct you. I love you, but I'm never going to bring truth to your attention. Listen, it'd be better that that person is not even your friend. I don't want a friend that's going to see me walking into a hole and be like, yeah, he'll figure it out. And when he falls, and, and you know what, as a matter of fact, this, this is how good of a friend they are. If he falls in the hole, I'm going to help him out. Listen, I don't want to fall in a hole. I don't need friends like that. 
that are watching. Because I'm going to be by myself plenty, and I'm going to fall into plenty of holes on my own. But when you're walking next to me, can you help a brother out? See, the fact is, people don't want help, right? They, 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 they don't want to hear open rebuke. Someone, someone rebukes you in public, forget it. I, I, I love, where's Pastor Aldo? He's, is he teaching? He's teaching. When he was, when he was one, of my, one, of, one, one of my youth leaders, um, when I was youth pastoring, I remember we always had prayer. Um, as we do here, we had prayer like 30 minutes or something like that, or an hour, I don't remember exactly what it was, before our time of ministry. And for this particular night, every single one of these leaders decided they were going to be late. Now listen, I'm really good about late now, you know, I'm like, whatever, I don't really get on people's case. But back then, I was like tightly wound, worse than I am now, hallelujah. <laughs> and you know, everybody else that came in there late, I'm going to say it like this, none of them are here, so it doesn't matter. Um, But I would openly rebuke them anyway. But, uh, you know, they, they were all slackers, you know, sometimes. I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. You know, they weren't, they weren't always the most responsible, right? All of them in general. In, in general, in general, in general, in general, in general. Mark is here. I'm just messing around. He's one of my leaders. That's why I'm messing with him. But <laughs> he didn't have a car, you know what I'm saying? So he was, he, he, he was at, at, the, at the mercy of some other folks. But here's the thing. All of them, they let me down before. But there was one never let me down. And that was Pastor Aldo. And you know who got rebuked the hardest that night? It was him in front of everyone. I said to him, man, you of all people. <laughs> I said, let's pray, man. And that was it. And he put his head down. And he was like, and you know what? He didn't walk away. You know what he did? He was just never late again. <laughs> Seriously. <He> was <laughs> the point of the matter was, Open rebuke. He received it. You know what most people would have done? Oh, man, I'm never talking to that guy again. That guy's got issues. You know, he's over here always rebuking people in public. Mm -hmm. That's what they would have. That, that, that's how people would respond to stuff like that. But here's the problem. The problem is people just don't want you to openly communicate anything to them. People want, people want to just, you, I don't know what they want. But anyway, the Bible says open rebuke. It's better than love that is carefully concealed. That's what the scripture says. The scripture goes on to say, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Faithful. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. They're faithful. Why? Because they are there because that person loves you. That's why when they tell you, hey, man, you were acting foolish. You were acting arrogant. You were acting insensitive. You were being whatever. You know, you didn't, you didn't have, um, you know, you didn't have all, everything all together. Pastor Robert, I gave you an example a long time ago at, um, I think it was at our, at our dinner party for our, um, for our rehearsal for our wedding. And at, the, at that particular party, there was a guy there that he's not a Christian, you know, he's you know real smart dude. And, um, well, not that smart because he's not a Christian and he's not that smart. But anyway, um, educated, there you go. He, he's book smart, right? Some books. He don't know the book. But anyway, um, ultimately... He was having a conversation, and we were talking about creation, like we talked about last week, and I didn't have all my facts together, and he was like, well, you know, how can you say the earth was created in six days, and at that time, and I was like sitting there, and I was like, man, I don't know, um, I don't know, maybe it was six eras or whatever, and you know, I hadn't gone through, you know, theology classes on that or whatever, and Pastor Robert was just overhearing, you know, he's eating his food, he didn't say anything, he didn't like open, turn around and say, Jason, you, you, you need Jesus right now. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, he didn't, he didn't do that. Later on, he came to me, he said, look, man, he said, I just want to let you know, man, I was overheard what you were saying, and that was incorrect, and he just brought some correction in love, beautiful conversation. It wasn't something, I was like, man, I'm never talking to this guy again. No. Why? Because it wounded me, because I was like, man, I thought I was sounding educated there. I wasn't. 
It's not, I mean, you know, to some people I would have, but here's the point. The point is, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Let's go to another scripture. Turn to the same chapter, verse 17. I love the imagery of this one. Chapter 27, verse 17, it says this. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. As iron sharpens iron, this is the picture. How does iron sharpen iron? Have you ever seen iron sharpening iron? Have you ever seen it? It's banging. One of them is banging on the other one. That is how iron does this, right? And, and, and the thing is that it's reciprocal because sometimes it'll be me, sometimes it'll be you. But here's the point. The point is that you make my character look better. And so what ha- or you, you, bring, you bring change to my character. And so inevitably, that makes me look better. That's what it's saying. So what happens is, there you go, sparks fly. That's why you need the anointing. You need the Holy Spirit in your life because if you don't, guess what? You will not want to talk to that person because it is too painful. You won't want to deal with that. But here's what, we're supposed to have the Spirit of God dwelling in us. And so we are supposed to have relationship and come to each other because sometimes the counsel of wisdom produces great pain before great gain. Here's the thing. We are, we are on one of two ends of this, of this thing. We are either the ones that are receiving counsel or we are the ones that are giving counsel. If we're the one who is receiving counsel, then what happens is it's usually uncomfortable. Amen? It's mostly undesired. Amen? And it is often easily defended against. In other words, you can justify yourself. You can justify why you did what you did. I'm an expert. Listen, there is always a good reason why I did that. Oh, y'all ain't saying nothing. There is always a good reason why I acted that way. There, you, you, someone rubbed me the wrong way. Something, always, always, always. The truth is that when, when we are on either end of it, whether we're giving it or we're receiving it, when we're receiving it, it's, just, it, it's like that. When we're giving it, how many of y'all are just super comfortable correcting someone else? You don't have to raise your hand. There'll be a minority anyway. I'm not, I'm not listen, most people are not. Mo- that, that, I, I didn't say all the time. I said most of the time, usually. Usually it's uncomfortable. For me, it's almost always uncomfortable. And then, and then it also depends on past interactions because sometimes past interactions with someone will make it more uncomfortable or less uncomfortable. If it's a person who's open, then it's less uncomfortable. It's not so bad. But if it's a person that is like, you know, hard to deal with, then guess what? It's uncomfortable. It's something that you want to not do. But here's the thing you got to get. If you are receiving the counsel of instruction from a friend, from a brother or sister in Christ, then we have to realize what? That Jesus is coming to us through them. Amen? We have to recognize that if I am receiving counsel from a brother or a sister, then Jesus obviously wants to speak to me through them. And listen, they're not, they're not perfect. I said it earlier. Jesus is the only perfect source of wisdom. He's the only one. God is the only perfect source of wisdom. But here is the truth. The truth is that he uses these vessels. And so if we are receiving, we got to recognize that. Now, if we are on the giving end, let me give you some counsel for those of you who will, love, who will not love, but will have to bring some correction to a brother or sister. Our goal should be to lovingly share the truth with others, not crush them. Did you hear me? Don't think, well, Bishop said iron, you know, sharp as iron, and one of them just pound on the other one, so I'm just going to pound on my brother. That's, that's not what I'm saying. Inevitably, there's, those things are going to happen. There's going to be some confrontation that's going to take place. But here's the thing. We're not trying to crush them. 
but we are trying to enhance them by helping them better reflect the image of Jesus. Did you hear what I just said? When I said enhance them, I didn't say make them recognize how great they are. Are you hearing me? I I didn't say we were trying to help them get to that place of self-help where they just realize how they are God's gift to the world. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is when I come to someone, it is to help them better reflect Jesus. And usually what I am confronting or you will be confronting is something that does not resemble Jesus. It's something that does not look like him in their life. And that is the reason why I'm coming to them in love. And so I want to enhance their life by helping them um, image Jesus better. Thus, I empower them through counsel that may hurt, but it should produce the fruit of repentance and righteousness. That's my goal. That's your goal if we're going to come to people with counsel. But it should also be understood that when others are coming to us to bring them counsel, listen, their delivery might be off. Their timing may not be the best. But it does not mean that we don't need it. In closing, God wills for us to live a life that bears the fruit of wisdom. Turn to one last scripture here in the book of Proverbs. And then we're going to turn to three more in the book, in in the New Testament. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 20. He says this, he says, listen to counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter days. God wills for us to live a life that bears the fruit of his wisdom. He wants us to be wise now and he wants us to have wisdom to share with the generations that we'll be able to speak into their lives when we're older. He wants our life to reflect his wisdom. And here's the thing, I said necessary counsel was the title of the message because it is important that we understand that when we reject the outside counsel that God sends us, we are in essence and in reality rejecting him, not them. Did you hear me? When God brings someone into our life to speak into our life, it doesn't matter that you didn't like the package that it came in. You're rejecting the sender. You're not just rejecting the gift or or, or the package, the packaging. You're rejecting the sender. And I want to give you some scriptures to support that, and then we'll close in prayer. Look at Matthew chapter 10 and verse 40. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 40, he says this. It says, he who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. And so you receive others in the name of Christ. You're receiving who? Jesus. That's what Jesus is saying here. Turn to Luke chapter 10, verse 16. says this. It says, he who hears you, hears me. He who rejects you, rejects me. And he who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. Last scripture, John chapter 13, verse 20.
Jesus says here, most assuredly I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. Necessary counsel. There's counsel that we need in our lives that God sends to us, and ultimately we reject him. And so here's the thing that I want you to realize. First of all, there are some conversations that some of you need to have with some people whom you have rejected. Some of you have not wanted to hear counsel from certain people, and you need to repent. You need, you need to confess that sin to them, that you have been wrong. Some of you need to ask for the grace of God so you can be that voice of counsel into other people's life. That's the bottom line. That some of us, we need to repent. Others of us, we need to become those voices of counsel, and we need to speak the truth. No matter how painful it is to them or how uncomfortable it is to us, we need to be those vessels of truth. Amen? Let's all stand to our feet, please, and bow your heads.